Good afternoon, everyone. It's a blessing to be here and to see you all. Um, particular welcome to you if you're visiting. Um, my name's Ephraim. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a privilege to be able to share with you from God's Word today. Um, our prayer is that we would be a people who glorify God. Um, we recognize we need to be a, a healthy church in right relationship with one another and with the Lord. Um, a people who are equipped to make disciples who make disciples and therefore ought to be faithful on mission. And in all we do, we seek to know Christ through his word and the work of his spirit and make him known. And um, those desires and intentions and aspirations are no less true today as we gather in his name. Um, for those who haven't been here, um, we are obviously at the beginning of the year and taking opportunity to um, do what we might call topical teachings. So ordinarily, we will kind of teach through a particular section of the Bible, um, Book of James, um, Ecclesiastes, and so on and so forth, as we have done um, over the past year, uh, among other scriptures. Um, but at this time, we're just taking opportunity to um, focus topically on certain aspects of the scripture that speak to our church life in such a way that would help to encourage, strengthen, and instruct us in a, in a particular way. And so, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I spoke on um, what it is to glorify God and be a people for God's glory. And last week, I spoke on true worship and a true being, being a true worshiper. And today, um, my focus, as you can see from the title, is going to be on God's praise. Hmm. Pastor Rob mentioned during the announcements our time of prayer and fasting um, this past week. And it has been a, a really phenomenal time um, for me personally and I think for us corporately. Um, there has been a deep sense within many of our hearts for a need for change. Change within us personally and change within us as a community of people, as a family of God. And we hear the, the scripture quoted often, um, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. And yet, we can't allow it to become merely a cliche. We recognize that in all that we're doing, is God working in what we're doing? It's a question we have to ask. In all that we're speaking, is God speaking in what we're speaking? And so taking the time out over this past week has been encouraging. And, you know, I can't lie, I lament for all of those who, as members of this church, didn't engage at all. I lament. That means my heart is broken. I'm sad. I'm grieved even for those who, as a part of our membership, and were aware of the fact that, you know, we're, we're entering into prayer and fasting, 
for whatever reason, didn't engage at all in it. Didn't read the prayer briefing that went out um, before the week started. Didn't read the updates that went out each day during the course of the week. Didn't engage in fasting. Didn't attend the prayer gatherings, not even one. For me, that's, that's a grievous thing because God spoke to us. And God moved among us. And more so, we spoke to the Lord. We cried out to the Lord. Both personally and corporately. Knowing that that's the only place that change is going to come. And the reality is that my suspicion is, for those who didn't engage, it may be (laughs) as a result of the very things that we're praying to see God change. Apathy. You know, that kind of whatever mentality. That kind of, um, I can't remember that little Britain character. Am I bothered? <laughs> Face, bothered, am I? <laughs> Ka- who? Was it Catherine Tate? Am I bothered? Whatever. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but whatever. I don't care. Am I bothered? And the reality is it's easy to laugh at the character when we don't see the character in ourselves. But we walk with that attitude. Come to church, whatever time. Don't, and, and believe I'm talking to members, yeah? So don't feel uncomfortable if, if you feel like I'm trying to have a go at you as a visitor. You're, you're visiting, isn't it? <laughs> it's all good. But we can't say that we're a people here on mission for God, seeking to be for his glory, and we walk around with an attitude of indifference, an attitude of whatever. Email comes in from church, don't even read it. But furthermore, just delete it straight away. <laughs> emails, haven't, emails from church haven't been open for so long, they go automatically into the junk pile. So... Why do I say all of that at this point? Because there is a a deep need for us as individuals to be real with God. We've said it time and time again. Church isn't a social club. And quite frankly, we're not here begging friends. There are a multitude of other things that I, Pastor Rob, any of the other leaders here can do with our lives. We're not here because we ain't got nothing else to do. We're here because Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen? Jesus is Lord. He has captured our hearts. He has made us accepted in the beloved. He has commissioned us into his service. He has given us his name and called us to glorify him. And so... All who are of like mind, let us walk together in the work and will of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Um, Now, I have to ask you to um, forgive me for the prolonged um, interlude between um, announcements and our starting. Um, Quite frankly, I need a new laptop. My laptop is actually crying for mercy. This thing gets hammered day and night, literally, and um, it's really been playing up. So 
things are probably not going to um, Yeah, that's, that's just the tools that are um, at the moment inadequate for the job. Um, but may the Lord use it. <clears throat> now, this matter of praise. We distinguished last week that worship isn't merely the slow songs on the tail end of the church time of singing. So praise isn't the upbeat and worship the, the slow, the, the sanctified slow jams. <laughs> worship is so much more than singing, but is not less than singing. Worship is so much more than singing, but is not less than singing. And we considered the way in which God, the unique and completely set apart being who eternally exists in three persons, made man to have relationship with him, distinguishing man from all of the rest of his creation, making man in his image and his likeness, giving us the capacity to relate to God and represent him in imaging him for his glory. That we alone, within all of God's creation, are able to give God glory in a way that is exceptional. And this is the foundation of our worship. The worshiper's heart recognizes God and is bowed down before him. And yet there is something particular that God has given us the ability to do. And again, this is in unique ways, and that is to be able to praise God, to actually speak of and tell of his greatness. To be able to tell of and sing of his greatness. We recognize that all of creation praises God. All of creation glorifies God. You look at a beautiful sunrise, you look at a sunset, you look at the, the little fingers and toes of a baby when it's born and you're in awe. And in the depth of your heart, you say, wow, God is great. You look at the vastness of the oceans, the, the, the might and grandeur of the mountains. <laughs> we don't live in mountain areas and next to oceans, right? So you go to the, the top of the block and you look out over the city and you see the sprawling city, people like ants, and you're just like, wow. Look at this world, look at this life. It didn't come about by accident. Even the, the very work of men's hands, where did that ability, where did that knowledge come from? Where did the materials and the resources come from? Where did people come from? God is great. God is great. And the Bible says that not only is God great, but he's greatly to be praised. 
In Psalm 145 and verse 3, it says this. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be praised greatly. And his greatness is unsearchable. And so, seeing that God is great, and that's not a, a debatable statement. It's not God may be great, or to those who kind of see him that way, that's how he is. God is great. And he's greatly to be praised. And so, how do you praise God? How do you praise God? Do you praise him in a way that suggests that he's great? Do you praise him in a way that suggests actually he is greatly to be praised? Do you actually even praise God? Now remember, to praise God is to tell of and to sing of his greatness. We are instructed in scripture to praise God. And yet, there seems to be a, a good deal of confusion these days as to what it means to praise God and even how to praise God, even why to praise God. And so let's pray and consider these things. Father, we thank you for you are great. It's undebatable, undeniable. And those who seek to do so do so at their own peril, their own loss. Lord, we thank you that there is none like you. And that, Lord, it is you that has made us, not we ourselves. And Lord, you have caused us to, even now, come into the sound of the hearing of your word. At which point you challenge us. To what extent do we recognize you? To what extent do we praise you? Have your way, Lord, in our hearts. Instruct and encourage us, I pray. For your name's sake and your glory alone. Amen. Now, the praise of God, even among his people, and let's, let's forget life in general at, at this point. Let's forget the world at this point because we don't really expect those who don't know God to be praising him. We don't expect that. There are some exceptions and there are some people who, you know, they have a sense of God consciousness and they wouldn't claim to be religious or Christian or have a relationship with God. But you will even hear them at times say, you know, I thank God. Particularly at award shows, right? <laughs> 
people have a sense of God consciousness. But stepping away from that for a moment and thinking about the people of God, it seems that there can be a, a, a confusion that exists as to what it really means to praise God and why we do so. Now, if we were to consider why anyone ought to praise God, well, the verse speaks for itself. Great is the Lord. And our capacity to praise God is going to be based on how well we recognize God for who he is. Last week, we talked about the fact that, you know, to, to glorify God isn't bigging him up in a, in a way where we're trying to increase his reputation and what people think of him. And so God's glory isn't based on what people think of him, maybe in the way that the glory of people might be. You've had that time, I'm sure, when you, you, you just heard a song that really just reached, you're just like, this song, this song is an amazing song, any kind of song, and, and you share it with someone, and you're like, listen, you need to hear this song by this artist, you know. This song, I'm, when I tell you, and when they hit that bridge, oh my gosh, and you share the song with them, and the person's just kind of like nonplussed. <laughs> and you take it back to the beginning, and you're not hearing the song. Can't you hear what I'm hearing? And you feel discouraged because they don't share in the wonder of this music in the way that you are. They don't, they don't share in praising this artist and you kind of think, something's wrong here. And after you've shared that with 10 people and their response has been the same, <laughs> you get to the point where you doubt yourself. Hmm. Maybe they're not as good as I thought. <laughs> and when they start to offer you some other suggestions that everybody's into, oh my gosh, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that song, and the song comes on and everybody jumps up, and you, and you don't know the song, but you want to jump up as well. <laughs> and in your mind, you're thinking, it's not as good as my song. <laughs> but because everybody's into it, the value of it seems to be increased in your heart and mind. God doesn't suffer from such things because he is great in and of himself. And, you know, they say, um, God is God all by himself. Come on now, talk to me. He don't need nobody else. He don't need no one else. Old school sayings right there. True. God is God all by himself. He doesn't need anyone else. And he really doesn't need the praise of anyone else. He doesn't need the opinions of anyone else to be in his favor. Believe me, God is not insecure. Hallelujah. God is not looking for likes on Insta. He's not looking for retweets or Facebook follows. God is. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> you don't even have to finish the statement. God is. Praise be to God. And so why a person would praise God is going to be directly related to their recognition. And the extent to which we recognize God for who he is is going to be the extent to which we are inclined to praise him.
And so from the outset, that means this. If we are not inclined to praise God, it begs the question, how well do we really know him? Now, you might say, well, you know what? For me personally, I'm, I'm kind of introverted. I'm not really kind of that expressive. I'm not really an exhibitionist. And so I'm not going to kind of really just, you know, do much when it comes to praising God. It doesn't mean that I don't know him. Well, that, that could be a, a fair statement to make. But there are certain things in life. <laughs> that cause us, regardless of our personality or temperament, to step outside of ourselves. There are certain things in life that so connect and resonate with our hearts that we will speak up. We will even sing. So, um, was it my last birthday? I, I, I was taken... Um, I had the opportunity to go and see Coldplay um, at Wembley. Was it last year? Father's Day. Kian took me. Went to see Coldplay. Sit down, watch the stadium fill up. Um, Wembley, 90,000 people, something like that. Place was full. People standing in the, in the, on, the, on the pitch. You know, they've got the stage set up and then they've got this long part that comes out into the middle of the crowd and everything. It was raining. People did not care. Standing in the pitch, standing in the rain, same way. People sitting down very, you know, um, orderly, decently, talking with one another, politely letting you through as you get to your seat and so on. Some support bands come on and, you know, a few people might have known them and so kind of like perked up a little bit. As soon as you hear, you see the lights go down and they gave us these flashing things. And so on the wrists, LED things. Lights go off, LEDs start flash across the whole of the stadium. It was like looking at the starry night on a clear summer's night. It was like the stars twinkling. And as soon as they start, everybody's <laughs> And then the band comes on. Start going through their classics. Listen, people who could not dance. <laughs> I'm not even saying that as, 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 as in, in, in any derogatory kind of sense. It was just a matter of fact. I'm sure that they themselves would have said, I'm not a dancer. They were dancing to their own time and their own beat. But they were dancing. People who you would have looked at and, wow, this, like, looked like an accountant on one hand. This man over here could have been a judge on the other hand. Listen, on their feet. Singing along, hands up in the air. Coldplay. It, listen. <laughs> they didn't care who was there. They didn't care who was watching. Listen. This band. You know, people would tell you, oh, Coldplay, the greatest band ever. Soundtrack to my life, their albums. 
I didn't mean to cause you trouble. And literally, hands, I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, we've seen it. This isn't anything new. This isn't any surprise. Hands up. Singing the songs at the top of their voice. And when the band drop out and then you just hear the stadium, the whole 90,000 people singing. What? No projector. No lyrics on screen. <laughs> so don't tell me you can't sing for the Lord. Don't tell me you can't praise his name. And just like this morning, when individuals just zoned out, regardless, crying out the praise of God, declaring his worth and his glory. And we can sit in that environment and, and almost feel like it's strange. And so we need to pray for a greater revelation. That God would reveal himself to us. I found this quote by C.S. Lewis. Because he was a man who struggled with what it was to praise God. He struggled difficultly. It says, Lewis was extremely puzzled, even agitated, by the recurring demand by Christians that we all praise God. So that was bad enough. But what made it even worse is that God himself called for praise of God himself. This was almost more than Lewis could stomach. What kind of God is it who incessantly demands that his people tell him how great he is? And so this was his struggle before he met Jesus. As he worked through this struggle, we see this quote from Lewis. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. We delight to praise what we enjoy. People enjoy Coldplay. They enjoy Lady Gaga, Adele. They enjoy, and I'm just picking out the bigger name artists. People enjoy, take delight in, to the point of praising. And he says this, he says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses the enjoyment, but completes it. The praise not merely expresses the enjoyment, but completes it. It's like the icing on the cake. I enjoy this thing so much that I get to share it with someone else. And so may we delight in God so greatly to the extent that we can't keep him to ourselves. That at every given opportunity, 
We're ready to share, to speak of, to sing of his worth to others. And let me say directly, if you as an individual are in a place where that is not your experience of God, that is not your relationship with God, then don't resign. Don't call it quits. Because God is great. And he's greatly to be praised. The way in which he's he's to be praised is meant to be great. Not low-key. Not incidental. Not as an afterthought. God is to be praised greatly. And so where you find in yourself a lack of desire, a lack of enjoyment, a lack of appreciation... This is indication that we need to get on our knees and we need to extend our week of prayer and fasting to two weeks and three weeks, 21 days, let's go, 30 days, let's go until we experience God break through in our hearts and change our conscious awareness of him because God hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. He's not changed. He is great. He has always been great, and he will always be great. Amen? Amen. That psalm isn't one off. Psalm 66, verse 2. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. This is an instruction to all people, particularly those who know God. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him half-hearted praise. Give to him partial praise. Give to him temperamental praise based on how you feel. Give to him Some praise when you're on an up day. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. So why do we praise God? Because he is great. Because he is worth it. And it's not even because he asks it of himself. You see, we've we've heard this phrase, um, God inhabits the praises of his people. It's not a direct quote from scripture. But there is a a verse in Psalm 22, verse 3, that communicates a similar sentiment. And people have often taken that to, to, to suggest when we praise God, then we are inviting God into our presence. And God comes up and takes residence among us when we praise God. But I think there's a little more to it than that. And it's a a lot more simple than that. You see, God is everywhere. We understand this. A few weeks ago, I spoke on how we expect. And I quoted from Genesis in the situation of Jacob, where he 
laid down and in it he had a dream and he had an encounter with God. He saw angels ascending and descending the ladder. And as he awoke from the dream, he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know. And that is the experience for all of us who come into a relationship with God, who come to know God and recognize that, wow, God is here. And some of you can testify, you look back at your life as you step into relationship with God and you begin to see God's hand upon your life, God's, God's working in your life. That time when you was in the car crash and you should have died or you should have killed someone and it never happened and, and it's unexplainable when you see that God was at work. That time as a baby you got sick and the, and the doctors were struggling to know how to help you and you're here today and you know that that was God at work. Going through that experience of your parents breaking up and feeling the pain like he was going to lose your mind or losing a loved one. And yet you've made it through and you know that God was at work and you look back and you say, sure, God was there all the time and I didn't know it. And so the real issue is not whether or not God is here. The real issue is whether or not we are aware of it, whether we see it, whether we have ears to hear and eyes to see that God is present and working among us. We sing songs like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. David the psalmist said, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your word. Because he knew they was in there and he's reading it and he's trying to see it. But he needs the Lord's help to open up his inner eyes. Not his third eye. <laughs> but the eyes of the heart. The inward man. In order to see. And something unique happens when we praise God. When we praise God our hearts and mind become focused on him. In a singular sense. In a way that fends off distractions in our minds. And causes us to have such a focus that we are more able to see and recognize the fact that he is present. And as we focus on him, and as we see him progressively a bit more clearly, clearly for who he is, we are then even given more reason to praise him and more motive to praise him because we respond to who he is. And so we might start out in praise not really feeling it at all, not really feeling the experience, not really feeling like we want to praise God at all. But when we obediently, when we humbly give ourselves to praise God, we then become all the more motivated at the way in which our consciousness becomes filled of the awareness of who he is. Amen. You know, they say that it's um, impossible to talk and hear at the same time. Well, for many it is anyway. <laughs> impossible to talk and hear at the same time. You can't talk and listen at the same time. Likewise, 
if we engage our body in physically and verbally expressing something, our mind is focused on that. When we make God the sub subject of our expression, we become focused on him. And he fills our hearts with light, with himself. And so if you're not given to praising God, you are missing out on an experience of God. Amen. A means by which God will reveal himself to you through the praise that you give to him. Now remember, God doesn't need anyone, right? And he doesn't need anyone's praise. So why would he have us praise him? If we didn't praise him, it wouldn't take anything away from who he is. But God is so other person-centered. I mean, God is love. And it's not self-love, as it might be for us. You know, we, we tell somebody we love them, but really we love the way they love us. We love what they do for us, how they make us feel. <laughs> well, why do you love me, husband? Well, you know, because you, 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 you cook so well and you, you talk so sweetly to me and you rub my back when I'm feeling like I need to burp. And, <laughs> and it's everything that you do for me. You make me laugh. But it's all about us, isn't it? But God's love ain't like that. God is completely and utterly other person-centered. Remember, you're talking about a being who has eternally existed in three persons. Completely in unity, completely in harmony. Father, Son, and Spirit enjoying eternal communion. Exchanging eternal love. Intra-Trinitarian love. Lord of mercy. Listen. There's not one ounce, not one hint of selfishness. So when God calls us to praise him, it's not even for his benefit. It's for our benefit. Amen. We benefit from praising God. We lose out. We miss out when we don't praise God. Not only do we benefit, but there is a benefit to all who witness us praising him. Pastor Rob shared a story of um, his, his cab riding and the conversation starter that he was seeking to, to, to get as he wanted to share with the cabman. And um, this week, my um, youngest daughter, Chloe, had a, a similar but different experience. She too was in an Uber. <laughs> and as she was... Um, driving with this Uber, the Uber driver gave her the aux cable and was like, you know what, you can play your music like, if you like. You know, they do that, it's nice. And so she, she put on her music and he's like, no, 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 turn it up. Turn it up on your phone, turn it up. We play on the loudspeakers. <laughs> and so she just begins to play some praise songs. And by the time she must have played about three songs, and then that new song we sang today came on. What a beautiful name. I mean, the, the driver was already kind of, his eyes starting to go red and welling up. By the time that song came on, crying. 
crying in the car. He said, I've never heard anything like this. This, this is like a mother's love. That, um, you'd have, she'd have to tell you. Crying. A man of Muslim background. Not a Christian. Crying. Touched by God. The witness of God's glory, the testimony of God's glory, even expressed in song, and particularly expressed in song, has the power to change lives. Amen. Our own and others. We were out here in May, um, set up outside for Family Fun Day. We had service out there to begin the day. The praise team was out there. We're out there singing songs. The following week, visitor comes along. When inquired, I heard the singing from my flat. And it was so moving. It was so beautiful. I had to come and find out more. It, 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 <laughs> it wasn't even the baseline. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the power of praise. Now, In the New Testament, it, it explicitly speaks to us to praise God. Huh. And I want to clarify a few things and, and demolish a few myths around these verses. Don't tell me that, brother. <laughs> Man, just told me I've got 10 minutes left, you know. That don't sound right. You like to try to get me off early, innit? All right. See with me. Ephesians 5, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, this is in the context of Paul in Ephesians breaking down God's new society, God's new people in Christ Jesus. The fact that God has, in Christ, according to his foreknowledge and to the glory of his praise, Set apart a people to himself, separated a people to himself in Christ Jesus. People who were once dead, now made alive by the Spirit of God. Brought together from all races and nations. No longer Jew and Gentile, but have been brought together as a holy people. Through whom... His multifaceted wisdom is displayed, chapter 3 tells us. And as a people, we're to be bound together, knitted together like a body. Encouraging and edifying one another. And yet we see here, that one of the things that is supposed to characterize the people of God is that we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, hear this. You ever heard it said, listen, everybody should praise God because it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think about the music. Praise is not for us. It's for God. You heard that said? Yeah. 
I, I, I have to beg to differ. You know, they say a half-truth is no truth at all. We understand that God is the source and subject of our praise. But when I look at this verse, I'm sorry. But it clearly states that there is benefit to be gained by the people who are together engaging in this experience. It says, addressing God in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what it says, right? No? Oh, it says, addressing ourselves, our souls, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. No? No, what does it say? It says, addressing, you can say it out loud, it's okay. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So straight away, it tells me that there is a horizontal dimension to our praise by which we benefit one another. Amen? Is that a fair conclusion from that statement there? Now, you, you might be looking and thinking, oh, maybe that's just the way that that verse is interpreted. Paul says the same, things, same thing again in a different way to the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so we see that the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it, it fulfills a purpose. It performs a function. The function being teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And so as we express psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and we'll come to that in a minute because, listen, <laughs> that needs to be cleared up. As we express psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, there is a means by which we are blessing and benefiting one another. We are expressing love toward one another in ways that cause people to be informed and encouraged. So the moment we opt out of praise and disobedience, the moment we opt out of singing, we are robbing our brethren. We're not loving our brethren just as much as we're not loving God in that instance. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Is his word not that which we are to follow? Does his word not tell us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? This is his word. Let it dwell in us. And in response, go on to follow what it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So as much as 
God is the source and subject of our praise. He's not the only beneficiary. It is not only for him. And so imagine that you're able to come along and participate in praise in such a way that even without speaking to them, you're able to be a blessing to your brother, a blessing to your sister. You're able to benefit and encourage them. Just by them seeing you engage in praise, by them seeing you express the truths of God and, and of his greatness. And as they hear it come from you and as they participate with you, everybody loves to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Why do people go to Wembley and stand in the rain? You've got Coldplay on CD, on iPod, and you've got, you got iTunes, you've got Spotify. You've got every kind of format you can be enjoying them. In your car, in your house, in your ears. Why would we go and, and see this band along knowing that we're going to be with all these people that we don't know and don't care about? Because there is something deep in us that causes us to appreciate being part of something bigger than ourselves. Last week I said everybody worships because we were made to worship. The question is, who or what are we worshiping? And from this, one, another thing we understand that's really important. Not only does everybody worship, but every song teaches something. Every song teaches something. I was um, chatting with Jason um, Redbeard this week. And was talking about um, him playing a, a, a particular... Um, event and just thinking about some of the old school music that people like to listen to and um, just thinking about, you know, there was a lot of good music in those days that was wholesome, you know, unlike maybe more modern music, it wasn't explicit and crude and bass in that kind of way. It wasn't nasty and over-sexualized. But he said, look, don't get it twisted. Back in those days, they still had some off-key songs as well, you know. He mentioned this song. I can't remember what the song was. I think it was um, Breakfast in Bed. I don't really know the tune too well. But what I do know is, <laughs> he said, he said the key, it's an off-key song. Because it's a woman singing to a next woman's husband. Me and Mrs. Jones. Got a thing going on. Mrs. Jones, you know, and his name is not Miss, Mr. Jones. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Red said, he said, look, you know, you see how a little leaven, small acorns grow into big oak trees. You go from me and Mrs. Jones to R. Kelly. And within a generation, bump and grind. One generation. And anyone who says that music has no power to influence a person's thought is lying. Amen. Lying. 
I don't, you know, you've got these artists and they will say, yeah, you know, we do all of this explicit material and it talks about guns and, and money and so on and so forth, but we're just social commentators. We're just talking about our environment, you know? It's not the music's fault, as if the music's not contributing anything to the problem. And yet, they're the same artists who will be glad to receive a £300,000 licensing deal for their music to be used in adverts. Now, why would they use their music in adverts if it has no power or influence? Why would they pay someone 300 grand to use their music in a film score if it has no power or influence? If it has no impact upon the hearer? And yet, from these verses, we understand that our music is to be saturated in Christ-centered content, godly content, as the people of God. And that also includes the stuff that we listen to on a personal level. You see, in both of these verses, it speaks of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms are psalms, and I'll come back to psalms. The psalms, 150. Um, oh, it was, it was at, we was at um, LCM this week, and Pastor Rob said to the group as he was teaching, the psalms are like, they're the songbook of Israel. They're like, Israel's top 150 of all time. It's true. These psalms are songs. Remember, they're songs. They're songs inspired by God. That he saw fit to include in the canon of scripture. Psalms, hymns. Now, we see the word hymns. And there are certain schools of thought amongst Christianity that says we should only sing psalms and hymns in the church. And when they say psalms, they mean psalms from the scriptures. And when they say hymns, they mean songs from the 17th, 18th, 16th century. I beg you tell me when this was written. When the Apostle Paul wrote hymns, what kind of century was that? First century A.D., before any of the hymns that we've ever heard were even written, let alone called hymns. Now, the reality is this. People will debate as to the definition of a hymn. What, is, has it got a certain musical structure? Has it got a certain length? Is there a certain way in which the content is put together? Nobody can agree on that because there is no definition given. But what can be agreed on is that a hymn is regarded as a song for corporate participation. A song for corporate participa participation. For people to come together as a group and be able to engage in. That's the basic definition of a hymn. So these purists and these cultural imperialists who want to say we should only sing hymns with King James English from the 16th and 17th century are wrong. It's the same mentality that people went to Africa, Asia, other continents with the gospel and said, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. You put on a suit and a shirt and tie. And this is what the, the songs of God sound like. 
They sound like these hymns. Cultural imperialism. The Bible doesn't define style. It doesn't define the style in which the Psalms are to be sung. It doesn't define the style in which hymns are to be sung. And there is something so generous in the loving, multicultural-hearted God that we serve. That he leaves room for, for people to find their own cultural expression of these things. Pastor Rob, um, a couple months ago, went to preach over in Fulton Heath. Um, there's a church over there, a sister church of ours, um, Calvary Chapel Norbury. Yeah? And I said, when they start ready to praise, start break out in some Bangra praise. Praising God with the Bangra, predominantly Asian congregation. Is there, is there something wrong with that? There are many who would say there is. There are many. I remember growing up in church saying, oh, you know, you can't use guitar. Just use organ, piano. Don't use drums. This is within my lifetime. Certain old school people will remember. That is worldly, 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 I tell you. Brother and am I lying, Brother Andrew? It's not of God. Now, obviously, where I, when I was coming up in the context that I was in, it was with a Jamaican accent. But people of all different mindsets, all different backgrounds, shared in this mentality that actually you can't use this instrumentation. I listened to a sermon, right, from someone that I really regard highly as, as, a, as a man of God and a preacher, an expositor of God's word. I listened to a series that he taught. And I'm not trying to put him on blast or create any kind of beef. I'm sending for him and he can... No, no. But I was disappointed. I was grieved. I was grieved. Because the ideas that he was putting across was, was imposing this sense of one-dimensional praise as being that which is only acceptable to God. And what grieved me the most was there was no biblical foundation for what was being said. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are spiritual songs. Songs of a spiritual perspective. And as our, our friend, fanatic, a.k.a. Brady Goodwin said, if it ain't Christ, it ain't spiritual. It's nothing but a bunch of spare rituals. True spirituality is in Christ. And so again, we get this sense of Christ-centered content. And so even on, when you're on your own listening to your music, are you listening to music that is in accordance with God's person and purpose? That is in accordance with, that doesn't grate against, that doesn't disagree with or contradict I'm not saying that, oh, it's a matter of sacred and secular. I think that we're able to be more mature than that. And even mature enough to understand that actually, there are a lot of songs that are called Christian that we ought not to listen to. Because the doctrine is so off-key. You will not be hearing us singing no songs about decreeing. 
this, that, and, and activating God. That, listen, bruv, it's commonplace today. We're going to decree this and we're going to activate God and God is sovereign. We don't tell God what to do. God don't need no activation. He's the living God. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. We don't wake God up. And so there's, there's much content that, that is called Christian that we need to just put to the side and say, you know what? I can't allow my soul to feed on that. And there are some songs by people that we may not regard as Christians or even know if they're Christians or not that are more wholesome. That will talk about loving your neighbor and, and doing good deeds and being a blessing. But it doesn't use those maybe religious terms. And so we need to be more discerning what we're feeding ourselves, what we're nourishing our souls with, or corrupting our hearts with, as the case may be. Now, along with the, the reality of our call to praise God because of his greatness, recognizing that as we do so, we are a blessing to others, even as we ourselves are blessed in engaging with God's praise. In that, there is a call to be expressive. There is a call to be openly demonstrating. I was going to try and say the word demonstrative, but <laughs> I knew it was going to be hit or miss. <laughs> to be openly demonstrating the praise of God. You see, in the scriptures, and particularly in the Old Testament, when we see God's praise spoken of, we miss a lot that is hidden within the text. This is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Within the words used there in the original language in the Hebrew, Words that are used for joyful noise, words that's used for gladness, for singing, word that's used for um, thanksgiving and praise. They're different words. When it says give thanks to him, they're, they're, there's a different word. When it says bless his name, there's a, a particular word there that's used. And in each of those instances, each of those words has a corresponding action that accompanies it, a corresponding action. Let me explain what I mean. And as you consider the corresponding action, you have to remember that these actions would have been 
obvious to the Hebrew people as they heard these words. Let me start off with a basic one. The word is tehillah, which means to sing. To sing God's praise. I'm going to try and put it up so you can see it. Tehillah. To sing halal, a new song, a hymn of spontaneous praise, glorifying God in song. So this isn't just singing songs, but this is even encouraging an individual in the moment to just sing spontaneously from the heart to God. Unsynchronized, unscripted, uncoordinated. To be in such joy and delighting in God that there would be a spontaneity to that which is sung. The scripture itself encourages that. To healer. Another word, barak, which is to kneel or bow. This is a word that's used for bless. To kneel or bow, to give reverence to God as an act of adoration. And so, in our text when it says, bless the Lord, speaking of not just, Lord, I bless your name, but actually getting on your knees as you do so, and bowing and demonstrating physically that which we are communicating verbally. Now, there are too many of these words for me to go through. I'm going to give you three more. The word for thanksgiving. The word is toda or toda. <clears throat> and this word has the corresponding action of extending the hand. To extend the hand in adoration, confession, as a sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving. And again, you see, there's a, a sense in the actual word itself of it being a corporate act. It speaks of a choir of worshippers. And so there's that sense of extending the hands to God, physically putting your hands out. as you give thanks to the Lord. Another word of a similar nature is yada, which also means to give thanks. But it means to throw out the hands. Throw out the hands as if you were throwing something away from you. As if you were throwing praise toward God. Throwing your thanks to Him. And the thing is, these expressions, these physical expressions are associated with these words. And yet, 
These are things that even spontaneously, when joy take us and, and we, we get caught in the moment, we do these things instinctively. Instinctively. The amount of wedding receptions I've been to and that, and that big song comes on and all of a sudden, everybody's up, yeah, hands are thrown up. And thanksgiving for the DJ making a good selection. <laughs> but this word, this next word, is the daddy of them all. You've heard the, the phrase that hallelujah is the highest praise. Well, the term hallelujah is a compound word. And it's made up of halal, not halal meat, but halal, which means to praise, you and ja. So it's praise to God. And look at the definition of it. Praise to God in such a way that is to make a show or rave about, to glory in or boast upon. No, it says to be clamorously foolish. Clamorously foolish in adoration of God. There isn't any sense of kind of the, the, you know, the, the Christian two-step that we do. There isn't that sense of, oh, you know, everything is, 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 is filled with decorum and, and the, the finest etiquette. To be clamorously foolish doesn't include anything to do with those things. It's that sense of being beside yourself with joy and thanksgiving and praise. And so my issue is, how is it that our experience of praising God is so far removed from these and all of the other expressions that are communicated as it relates to praising God? How is it that our experience has become so far removed? You know, there are some people who take it to one extreme and they're like, you know what, we're just going to praise God today. We don't even need the word. <laughs> need to pull up. <laughs> Because that's not what the scripture advocates. But it does advocate us being expressive in our praise. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 21, we see that even Jesus shared in this experience. That Jesus himself shared in this experience. At a time of great joy, the disciples had returned from having been sent out in his name to declare the gospel. And they came back, the 70 of them came back and they said, Lord, even the, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't, don't rejoice at that. That's not the big thing. The big thing is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what you rejoice at. But then it goes on to say in that same hour... He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And that word rejoiced is the 
most forceful word in Greek for an outward expression of joy. It is a word that would correspond to halal in the force of expression. In that Jesus was beside himself, rejoicing in God, just, yes, Lord, Father, just bless your name. He zoned out in praise. Even Jesus. Maybe this is where they got that song. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. and I, Because I've never known where that song came from. But Jesus danced. David danced, no doubt. But even Jesus danced. This is what I'm trying to show you. And yet, even in his darkest moment, even in his most difficult time, Jesus, as he was taking upon himself the sins of the world, raised a song. You're like, huh? What are you talking about? Jesus raised a song. When Jesus was on the cross, the point at which he was least likely to sing, the point at which he was least likely to have any kind of reference to praise, any kind of motivation Jesus raises Psalm 22. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Now, this is the opening line of Psalm 22. You have to bear in mind that for the Jews, their um, writings didn't have chapter divisions. And so how would they direct someone's attention to the aspect of the text that they would know and have memorized from their childhood? What do they do? They call out the first line of the, of the song. Because remember, psalms are songs. And as they call out the first line, the people would join in. Because they know that section of the songbook of Israel. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And immediately, the song of Psalm 22 would have flooded their minds. It's like somebody calls out a line from a well-known song. Everybody finishes it. And so even when he least felt like praising God, referencing God's praise. Jesus calls forth the first line of one of the great messianic psalms. In doing so, he indicates his fulfillment because the psalm is personal. Why have you forsaken me? And he declares it personally as applying to himself. Because in that instance, he took upon himself the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. 
And so what excuse do we have not to praise Jesus who took upon himself our sin? And even in doing so, reference praise to the Father. What excuse do we have on our worst day, like we're hanging on the cross, right? So we're feeling sick. Bills have piled up. Rent is past due. We've had an, an argument with a family member. I mean, whatever it is, is it anything compared to, 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 to being nailed to a cross? And yet our Savior, our Lord, does this in that instance. How can we not praise him? And so there's a re-education that needs to take place for us, individually and collectively as a church. Because we've allowed ourselves, some of us, to have the baby thrown out with the bathwater. Some of us are coming from, like, me, Pastor Rob, so, listen, we didn't just come into this like this. We didn't just come into Christianity like this. I know what it is to grow up in Pentecostal church. See people running the aisles. Is that what I'm advocating? No, not necessarily. But what I am advocating is a, an open expression of our hearts to the Lord. <clears throat> and so as I encourage the um, guys to come back, the team. <clears throat> My question to you is, what hinders you from praising God? There's no situation or circumstance that is greater than God is. There isn't even any sin that is greater than the atoning work of Christ. And so, you know, you may be down in the dumps because you feel like you've let the Lord down and you're not worthy to praise his name. Um, you're right. You're not worthy to praise his name. None of us are, even on our best days. None of us are worthy to praise God. None of us are. But God, through Christ, has brought us in brought us into relationship with him if we repented and put our faith in Jesus. And in doing so, he has conferred upon us acceptance. He has bestowed to us, he has given us acceptance that we don't deserve. And in that, he has given us an abundance of reason to praise him. That's done. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.